Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Freely Nourish, the podcast that empowers you to break the cycle of dieting by teaching you to nourish your body well. I am your host, registered dietitian, Erin Casey, and I am also the owner of New You Nutrition Counseling, where we teach you to nourish your body, not shrink your body. So if you are ready to let go of that toxic cycle of dieting and learn how to actually nourish yourself appropriately, reach your healthcare goals without a primary focus on weight, then we are the practice for you. Uh, We have lots of ways that you can get involved. uh, One of which of course is our standard one-on-one counseling where we give you completely individualized advice. Um, Nutrition is not a one-size-fits-all, as you probably know if you are listening to this podcast. So uh, we give you the tools and recommendations that are tailored to you, your life, your barriers, your goals, etc. And because it's tailored to you, it tends to work a whole heck of a lot better. Um, That said, if it doesn't work, we're there to work with you through the process. We're there to troubleshoot with you, to give you feedback, to alter the plan if we need to. Um, All of those things are available to you to help you. Basically, we want you to be successful. We want you to to be um, as successful as you possibly can. And and we're here to help support that in any way that we can. Um, That said, one-on-one counseling is just not for everybody, whether it's time, it's money, you live in a state that I can't practice in. Um, So we also have kind of lower bar options. Those options include a group membership program, which is brand new. Uh, It is called the Cauldron. It is currently on sale. So right now it is June of 2023 as I'm recording this episode. And right now a Cauldron membership for the rest of 2023. So the next six months is $50. Um, So you have $50 for six months of programming, which is a steal. Uh, that said, the price will go up in January of 2024. It'll go up to $25 a month, which is still pretty cheap, uh, considering what you get, what you get for that, that price is, uh, we have monthly zoom meetings just amongst, you know, all of our, all of our cauldron members. And it is just a really great space to kind of come together, talk about what you're going through in terms of your food and your nutrition. Um, a lot of us fought, kind of face the same struggles when it comes to trying to break out of diet culture, kind of break out of that mentality that like, you know, thin is healthy and any extreme that you have to go to, to be thin is like what you should be doing. Um, most of us have people in our lives, whether they are, you know, coworkers, friends, family, et cetera, who are still kind of stuck in that trap of diet culture. Um, and we unfortunately kind of have to hear about it, <laughs> whether we want to or not. Uh, so the cauldron is a really great space to just kind of air out some of that frustration if you need to, if not just nothing else kind of realizing that you're not alone in this journey, getting support from each other, um, getting feedback from each other, things like that. Um, it's just really a great safe and grounding space. Um, I always come with like some, you know, notes of things to talk about. And honestly, like, I just kind of let you all drive the conversation of whatever you need. We, we support, um, and, and folks seem to really, really love that. Um, there is also a group Facebook group, it's private. Nobody else can see it. It's just cold members. Um, and if obviously if anybody starts misbehaving, I kick them out, but I've fortunately not had to do that yet. Um, but it's like, again, just another virtual space for you all to kind of interact with each other, kind of find that safety and that, and that support. Um, then of course the, the real meat of your membership is that you get, um, four free workshops per year. Um, so those workshops are also available to the public for purchase, but if you're a culture member, they're part of your membership. And then you also get, um, to, to speak about kind of what you would like to see, kind of, you get to participate live if you would like to, 
um, you also get to kind of, you know, drive a little bit about what the, what the topics of those are. Um, so you get, get a little bit of buy-in for that and you don't have to pay any extra fee. Um, we did just recently launch our first one. It's called Easy Entrees. It is mostly just kind of how to feed yourself as an adult, which I know sounds super basic, but I can't tell you how many people really struggle with that. It's it's not so much a knowing of what to do when it comes to nutrition. It's like, how do I go about doing that? Um, and I talked on a, on a past episode about how, you know, kind of we've capitalism has evolved to such that, you know, like most adults are working at least part-time, if not full-time um, there, you know, may or may not be taking care of children as well. We've lost that dichotomy where like one spouse works and one spouse works at home because like the economy sucks. Right. Um, so all of us like aren't able to give as much attention to our meals and things like that as we would like to, because like, we're just busier. Um, and I think there, you know, we can all sit around and, and bitch and moan about why that is. And that's all valid, but it's also not going to change. So <laughs> we need to kind of find those strategies that are going to work to help us build the meals that we want um, in a time frame that works for us um, and make it just not feel as overwhelming. So if that's something that is of interest to you, that is, again, available for purchase on the website, it's $15. There are other kind of more involved meal prep courses as well. There's one that I think is three hours long and the other one um, is, is only an hour. But again, they're they're a little more heavy on like the how to part of meals. And this one's more like strategies and ideas rather than, uh, but the descriptions are all there. If you have any questions, um, feel free to, to link up with me. Let me know. I'm, I'm happy to, to elucidate anything. And if you're not sure kind of where nutrition fits or nutrition, new you nutrition, good grief, uh, fits into your life. Just book a discovery call, just book a call with me. It's a it's no holds barred. It's just a very simple 15 minutes, we hop on, you tell me what you're dealing with. I tell you kind of what services I have that I think might be agreeable to you. I tell you the pricing. Um, and then, and then we, we, we let it go. Sometimes you're wanting to, to book a, another service. Sometimes you're not, and that's totally okay. Um, so it's a no strings attached kind of call totally free. Um, you can book them pretty much anytime through the website. I'll put the, the link all below. Um, so that's kind of, what has been going on in the, the land of new you nutrition? Um, now, what I wanted to talk to you all about today is something that I hear quite a bit um, from, from my patients and, and you know, social media users and, and things like that alike. And that is this idea of stress eating. Um, so many of us are very pressed um, and, and concerned about how much we are, we are stress eating. Um, that may come from a place of you're trying to lose weight, but it also may just come from a place of like, I'm eating more than I want to. I'm feeling uncomfortable. Um, and, and honestly, I feel more out of control than I would like to around food or at least around certain foods. Now I want to be very clear that like, this is what I'm going to talk about is just kind of a general emotional eating experience. It is very different from a true binge eating or food addiction type experience. I've talked about both of those things in my in previous podcast episodes. And I encourage you, if you are worried about that or know somebody who you think might be experiencing that, go back and listen to those episodes because honestly, the approach is very different. Um, and, and the solution to it is very different. Um, so if you are somebody who experiences those things, you may still want to listen in, like this will likely still benefit you. But I also want to make it very clear that like stress eating in kind of the generalized sense is a much less intrusive and disruptive behavior than true binge eating disorder or even food addiction. Those are very, very different things. Um, so, you know, 
put you, you know, nobody needs to get their cackles up about it. Um, I'm by no means trying to say that anything that I am providing you in this episode is meant to treat any of those disorders. They're very different. Um, and like I said, I, I have other episodes about them, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it here. Um, but it, it is, it is a very different thing. Um, that said, I think it also is important to recognize that like there is a difference between binge eating and, uh, you know, true binge eating and disordered behavior as opposed to kind of just generic stress eating. Um, they may in some cases be rooted in some of the same causes, but true binge eating or food addiction is a completely, like, it is disruptive to your to your life, your whole life. It is consuming. It is intrusive. Um, it is compulsive in many ways. Um, and it is something that is, it does not just happen on occasion. Um, and it does not stop at like, Oh, I stress ate like a bag of M&Ms or I stress ate a donut or whatever. Like it does not stop there. It is, it is very invasive and very extreme. Um, and if you, you know, like I said, if you are feeling like you are, are dealing with any of those things. I'm certainly equipped to talk about that. And I have in past episodes, it's just not going to be here. Um, so stress eating, right? Um, let's talk about it. So I think it is no secret to pretty much anybody who's listening to this podcast at this point that food and emotions are, are linked, right? Um, the nature of that link may, may come as a surprise to you. So, um, for one, stress, when we feel stress, whether it is emotional stress, whether it is physical stress. And I think it's important too to acknowledge that stress eating can occur as a result of mental stress, but it, which is kind of how most people see it. They kind of classify it as quote unquote emotional eating. But the other part of that is physical stress will also causes the same stress response. So if you are tired, if you have not slept well, if you are physically ill, um, if you are, if you live in a state where there's pollen right now and your body like thinks it's sick when it's not, um, all of those things will absolutely create a stress response in your body that can create some of the same effects as, as mental stress and can lead to some of the same eating behaviors as mental stress. I'm going to talk about why that is, but I just want you to kind of keep in mind that when I say stress eating, I do not necessarily just mean emotional or psychological stress. I also am talking about physical stress, which is something I think we talk about a lot less in human bodies than we should. Um, but both forms of stress, whether it is mental, emotional, um, those tend to raise cortisol levels. When we think about our human body and kind of how it has evolved over, over millennia of human existence. What we find is that, you know, basically our bodies were designed to survive, right. And they continue to adapt and adjust to circumstances. And basically the people who were able to procreate were the people who adapted best. So basically we have all evolved to survive. Right. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of take that back, um, because I think so often we're so hard on ourselves because we're judging our bodies for how it's functioning in society today. But I really want to kind of give us some perspective as to how new society today is compared to the millennia of human evolution, right? So for millennia, literally millennia, you know, food was scarce at times. Um, most of our stressors were a physical threat and, you know, we had to stay in societies and kind of get along in order to survive. Um, so when we think of that in the context of kind of how our brains and our bodies behave under stress, it makes a lot more sense. Human society, as we know it today, not even just like talking about all of like the technological changes that we've seen in the last couple of decades, but like 
the fact that food is readily available to most people in this country at any given time is a nuance of the 20th century, honestly, kind of the later 20th century, to be honest. Like it is almost like a post-World War II phenomenon. Before that, many people were living, people in cities maybe had ready access to food, but people living on farms, like you ate what you grew. If you had a bad growing season, like you were hungry. Um, obviously there's a lot to say about food deserts and food accessibility still in this country. Absolutely 1000% acknowledge that. But the idea that most people do have ready access to food, that is something that is a nuance of the 20th, late 20th, 21st century. Um, so kind of to give that like 70 years compared to 2000 years, really beyond 2000 years, almost 3000 years of, you know, kind of modern human evolution, that kind of helps put it in perspective, right? Our bodies and our brains have just simply cannot evolve that fast. Um, they will eventually, but like they haven't yet. Um, and you know, there's no point in us like waiting for like, like your body is not going to adapt, <laughs> right? Like it is not going to ad adapt to different circumstances in your lifetime, right? Um, so I think it's just kind of really important to acknowledge that. So things that stress us out, whether it is again psychological stress or physical stress, such as you are tired or you are sick or what have you, um, those things are going to raise your cortisol levels. Evolutionarily speaking, elevated cortisol meant danger, right? So our brains and our bodies are like, we got to fuel up because <laughs> we need, um, you know, whatever it is, like we're either gonna have to fight, we're gonna have to run, we're gonna have to, you know, we're gonna have to do something and we're gonna need energy to do it. So let's go find that energy. Also, we may not have a ton of time to digest that energy, right? Like wars are coming, there's a bear, um, storms, something or other, we got to like do a whole bunch of stuff. We may not have a whole lot of time to take those nutrients from like the food form to like our cells are actively using it for. So the most readily, easily divorce, you know, easily accessible sources of energy are carbs, right? And at that simple carbs. So it makes sense that anytime our cortisol is high because we are psychologically or physically stressed, we're going to crave simple carbs and sugar. That is human biology. You are not going to escape it. It is your body trying to protect you. Um, and I would make the argument that it's not problematic. It's just what bodies were designed to do. Now, that in and of itself isn't problematic. If your goal is to lose weight, if your goal is to control, say, your blood sugar, if you have elevated blood sugar, that's when that becomes problematic because your body doing what it's supposed to do to protect you is also actively getting in the way of another goal you have set for it. I will be, when it comes to managing blood sugar, yeah, that's a pretty good goal to have. Most of you listening to this podcast know that I don't endorse the idea that like your body needs to be smaller in order to be healthier. Um, that said, if that is, and whether or not I can say a lot, a lot and have said, and will continue to say a lot about whether or not we need to be worrying about making bodies smaller. So whether or not weight loss ever should be a goal for you is frankly up for debate, but for the sake of this podcast, I will kind of follow you down that rabbit hole of like, my goal is to lose weight. Therefore I want to cut calorie intake, which means I want to cut back on sugar. Um, that said, you don't need to cut it out <laughs> and having a craving for it because your cortisol is elevated for whatever reason is not abnormal or bad. It does not mean you are broken. Um, it means that your body is doing what it's supposed to be doing when it's stressed. Now, ways to navigate around that. 
are to, okay, let's figure out what the heck's going on here with stress, right? Um, it is very common if you are sick, like let's say you get the flu or something like that, um, to, to want those simpler carbs because your body is frankly just using energy to fight the infection. Honestly, like that energy of like that inflammatory response burns a lot more calories than you think. I think very often people, when they are like sick or injured or what have you, they feel like they're not moving as much. Therefore they shouldn't eat as much. No, absolutely not. Take that idea, throw it away. It is wrong. Your body is burning exponentially more calories. When you have had a surgery, you've you know, sustained an injury, you're sick, your body's burning more calories than if you were moving around and you need to feed it more. So it is actually very normal to be hungrier when you are sick or injured. And it's also very normal. And it's normal sometimes to not be too, depending on the circumstances, but it's normal to be hungrier. Um, especially if you've also had like a couple of days where like you weren't eating a whole lot and now your appetite's kind of coming back and like, you're all of a sudden famished, like that's fine. Your body's making up for lost time. That's good. Um, it's also very normal uh, for it to want and kind of crave things that are like simpler things to, to break and digest because your body doesn't have the energy to break it down very fast. It just needs the energy fast. And it's taking all of its energy to get rid of the illness or to heal the injury or what have you. It wants those simple things and that just listen to it. Um, things like that, where you're just kind of a transient, like there's an end in sight. It's not going to be prolonged. Those types of events just listen to your body and do what it wants. I promise you, you're not going to completely derail any progress or goals that you have for yourself. Your body's just hungry and like it, you're going to serve it better by giving it what it wants. And frankly, the mental stress that you have, I'm going to say this very clearly, the mental stress that you have about, this goes for anything, whether you are sick or not, the mental stress you have about how much sugar or food or what have you that you are intaking while you are stressed, the stress you have about that is actually damaging your body more than anything you're eating. Okay. I'm going to say it again. The stress you have about what you're eating is damaging your body more than anything you could possibly be eating. Okay. And again, I want to delineate that like there are disorders like binge eating disorder and food addiction where that may not be the case, but generally speaking, the stress you feel about it, frankly, even in those situations is not serving you. Right. And it is causing extra damage and it's, it might be damaging for most people. It's going to be more damaging than what you're actually eating. So I want to be very, very clear on that, that like the stress you feel about stress eating is like making the problem worse because it's causing more stress, which may cause you to stress eat more, but it's also <laughs> Like just that in and of itself is doing more damage than anything you could possibly be eating. Okay. So that's the first thing. If it's a transient kind of like a situation that will like eventually end, then let it go. Just feed your body what it wants. Don't worry about it. And you'll come back to your normal habits when you are ready. If it is something that you find is happening repeatedly, it warrants exploration as to what exactly is going on. Right. So the solution, we're not, like I just said, we're not going to get away from the basic human biology that cortisol causes you to crave carbs. We are also not going to escape the basic human biology that food and carbs and whatnot raise dopamine levels. I had a, a whole podcast episode on this a couple of months ago. Basically, food in any capacity is going to raise dopamine levels. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter associated with enjoyment and pleasure, and it is very reinforcing. So by that, I mean, like 
you may have heard like dopamine seeking behavior is, is kind of something. And it's dopamine is talked about a lot in like impulse control type diseases, things like addiction, things like, um, ADHD, et cetera. Um, so basically what can happen in the case of stress eating is that there is the cortisol effect, but then there is also the effect that we are seeking dopamine to alleviate the negative effects of that stress or that emotion that we are experiencing. So basically dopamine we know is going to elevate our mood. It's going to bring us pleasure and enjoyment that in and of itself is going to kind of hinder any negative emotions we're currently feeling. So again, food is going to raise your dopamine sugar and like high fat and like, you know, kind of whatever, certain foods, foods that taste better are going to raise your dopamine more. Those two things, it doesn't mean food is addictive. I, I talked about that before, but, um, we talked about, um, so those two things we're not going to escape. We're not going to escape that cortisol causes us to crave more food. We're not going to escape the fact that food raises dopamine. What we can do is find alternative ways to lower the cholesterol, or lower the cholesterol, lower the cortisol and lower the dopamine. I'm sorry. I said that backwards. We can find ways to lower the cortisol and raise our dopamine that don't involve food. Okay. So I want to be clear that like, you're not broken. <laughs> Your body is designed to do this. And again, that all goes back to that evolutionary idea that like stress levels meant a threat. Um, so, and even like dope, you know, food increasing dopamine, it makes sense, right? Like we needed food to survive. So like, obviously our brains built in like a backup option of like, Hey, like this is going to be super pleasurable. Same way. Like we needed to have sex to continue the human race. So like sex also increases dopamine. So like it makes sense. It makes sense that these would be behaviors that evolutionarily it made sense to reinforce that said, they may not be adapted for the world we live in today or the situation in which you are finding that you're eating. So we cannot change the fact that, you know, stress raises cortisol. We cannot change the fact that food raises dopamine. What we can do is find ways to lower our cortisol that don't involve food. And we can also find ways to raise our dopamine that don't involve food. So suggestions for that good stress management, um, if it is psychological stress, I honestly, truly encourage you to seek, seek professional help. Even if it's not like a long-term counseling relationship, find somebody that you can kind of talk to about the stressors in your life and get good guided support from them on things you can do to help manage it better. There are lots of strategies out there. Some people like to journal, some people like to meditate. Some people find that like, you know, like tapping or heating or cooling and things like that can be very soothing to your central nervous system. Um, some people like to go for a walk, play with a dog, scroll through like puppy Reddit. Um, exercise can be helpful to some people. Uh, it can be damaging to others. Um, some people like to talk to with friends. Some people like to prepare a nice meal for themselves. Some people like to, I don't know, there's, there's all that listen to music, what have you. There's lots of ways to cope with stress. Some of it may involve like actually addressing the situation that is causing you the most stress, um, whether that's a relationship or a job or your kids or what have you. Um, but find that support that you need and honestly get it from a professional. Like, yes, there's lots of books. There's lots of, you know, ideas out there on the internet now. And like, not that any of that is bad advice, but kind of the same way you're not going to do as well with nutrition advice that wasn't custom built for you. You're not going to do as well with mental health advice that wasn't custom built for you. Um, it, you're just not. Um, some of these services and like, I understand that yes, cost may be a barrier 
but there there are lots of ways kind of around that. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be somebody you see every week for the rest of your life. It can be somebody that you check in with, you know, once a month. It can be somebody you see every six months. It can be just one session to get a baseline of some suggestions. And then you, that's all. Um, I don't encourage you to do that, but if financially that's what you're able to do, that I still think that would be beneficial. So I think managing the stress is like number one. That said, there are always going to be times when the stress is just is there by surprise. You're doing all of the things you can to manage it and the physical effects it has on your body, in particular your cortisol. And it's, it's still just there, right? Like we all have gone through seasons. Um, you know, maybe you're caring for a loved one who's sick, or your your kids are kind of in a particularly tough place in life, or you go through a breakup, or you're in a relationship, or like something where there's just a season where it just seems kind of constant and there's not much you can do about it. And that's where again, doing the things to raise your dopamine that don't involve food. And ironically, a lot of those things also are the same things you can do to lower your cholesterol. I keep saying cholesterol, lower your cortisol. Um, those things are, the, are beneficial, right? So again, you know, playing with a dog, um, talking with friends, finding, you know, something that brings you joy, whether it is like a walk in nature, reading a book, um, sitting out in the sunshine, uh, you know, going for a walk, anything, right? Like any of those things that, you know, can raise your dopamine that you feel, um, are manageable for you before you turn to food. Um, and then I think kind of when you learn to manage your stress and your dopamine kind of in that way, it becomes a little bit more obvious that when food is like a dopamine seeking behavior versus when food is like out of true hunger. Um, so I think, you know, kind of doing the things that, you know, calm your brain, raise your dopamine, doing those things first. And then if you're kind of like, you know what? No, like I'm still hungry. Like I'm still thinking about like, you know, cheese and crackers or whatever the case may be. Well, okay. Then, then you eat it. Um, kind of learning to manage the stress factors first, understanding that those stress factors are there to protect you. I think that can also help you give yourself just a little bit more compassion about it. I think there's so much in the narrative and the news that, um, in the media in general, that's just like, you're broken. You're not disciplined. There's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Your body's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's just no longer adaptive for the way we live our lives for maybe what your goals are for you in particular, but giving yourself grace and understanding that like, this is your human body doing human body things that can actually go a long way for how hard you're going to be on yourself and ultimately may reduce the stress you're feeling about stress eating, which of course is going to help make things better at baseline. So I hope all of that helps. If you all have any more questions about it, um, please feel free to let me know, check out all of our, um, options for like virtual courses, one-on-one -on -one counseling, book a discovery call, all of that's available on our website and I'll link it all below, but I hope you all have a great rest of your day and go do something that de-stresses you today. And I will see you all next time. Have a good one.